Lord, as we look at your word this morning, also I pray that your spirit's helping us to hear the things you want for each one of us, no more and no less. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be brief. Uh, that is possible even for me on teaching. Uh, related to Mother's Day, this isn't a passage typically thought of, I'm sure, for Mother's Day, but I wanted to start with the front half of Psalm 137. It's a psalm of lament and then turns into a, an imprecatory psalm in its second half, but let me read this to you. This was part of a song, if your memory goes back as far as mine does, to a musical called Godspell. Um, Psalm 137 was a song out of that musical as well, but it says this, By the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Upon the willows in the midst of it we hung up our harps, that is, we put them away. For there our captors demanded of us songs and our tormentors mirth. They said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? You get the picture. The Jews are in captivity in Babylon when this psalm is written. And you know, if you were a Jew, a good life meant you lived in the land of promise, the the land that God promised to Abraham and his descendants. You lived there and you were safe. And if you remember the covenant God made with Israel, he said that if you obey me, you'll live in the land and you'll be the head of the nations, not the tail and you'll be taken care of, and you'll be safe, life will be good. And all of that was summed up in Israel living in the land. So when this psalm is written from Babylon, we know they're in trouble. Life is not all that they'd hoped it would be. And when this was written, if you remember history, Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed Jerusalem, had destroyed the temple, had taken what was left of the nation captive into Babylon. And so This is not the kind of life that the Jews were hoping to live. It's not the place they were hoping to be. And so they lament their situation here. When they're in Babylon, and maybe you can imagine if you're in another country, you say, hey, what's what's a good song in your land, say, sound like? And so their captors say, hey, sing us one of your songs. Sing us one of the songs from Zion. Well, their response is... uh, Singing is the last thing on our mind. Uh, We're in a place we don't want to be for reasons we'd rather not think about. Life's life's thrown us a curve. And singing is the last thing on our mind. Singing's the last thing on our mind. What do you do when life throws you a curve, when life turns out not the way you'd hoped, not the way you'd planned? How do you feel, how do you live when you're living in Babylon and longing the gates of Jerusalem. And on Mother's Day, moms, what do you do if mothering isn't going the way you thought it would? Or if uh, your children aren't turning out the way you hoped they would? What if, as a mom, your life is living in Babylon instead of Jerusalem? What do you do with that? What what attitude do you cultivate in that situation? What do you make of that? I want to stick in the Old Testament for the uh, remainder of our time. We're going to be in Isaiah 49. Uh, Isaiah is a great book, and you know you can hang out in Isaiah forever and just keep going back through these passages. In Isaiah 49, the first half of Isaiah 49, God has told 
the servant, Israel the servant, who is the Messiah, that being ruler of just Israel, that would be too small a thing for God's servant. So God's going to make the Messiah, Israel the servant, the ruler over all the world. And God's going to bless Israel, the nation. He's going to elevate them, lift them up, and honor them. And at verse 13, this concludes this portion of Isaiah 49. This is what I'm going to do for my servant, my Messiah, and this is what I'm going to do for Israel, blessing and honor. And so that section closes with this, Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted His people and will have compassion on His afflicted. Sounds good. Life is going to be good. It's all further up and further in. Rejoice, sing for joy. Israel, though, they have a different perspective. And they say this in the next verse, in verse 14, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. God says, Rejoice and sing. And Israel says, I don't feel like singing. I'm in Babylon in a place I don't want to be, living a life I hadn't expected, dreamed of, desired, etc. Uh, there's an old Bob Dylan song with friends and I used to quote each other when life had turned out other than we wanted and it was, we're stuck inside of Mobile with the Memphis blues again. That's the song Israel is singing here. We're in Babylon, we're longing for Jerusalem and God, you're making this promise but it's not, not what we're feeling now. We're not feeling the love, Lord. So God says to Israel this, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders hurry, and by the way, your version may say your sons or your children. And these next verses are a picture of coming and going. Your builders or your sons hurry, they're coming towards you. Your destroyers and devastators are departing from you, they're leaving. Verse 18, lift up your eyes and look around. All of them gather together, these would be the children or the sons, gather together, they come to you as I live, declares the Lord. You will surely put on all of them, that is these children, as jewels and bind them on as a bride. For your waste and desolate places and your destroyed land, surely now you will be too cramped for the inhabitants, and those who swallowed you will be far away. The children of whom you were bereaved will yet say in your ears, The place is too cramped for me. Make room for me that I may live. Then you will say in your heart, Who has begotten these for me? Since I have been bereaved of my children, I am barren, an exile, and a wanderer. Who has reared these? Behold, I was left alone. From where did these come? Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lift up my hand to the nations and set up my standard to the peoples. And they will bring your sons in their bosom and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Kings will be your guardians and their princesses, your nurses. They will bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick the dust of your feet. And you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. Israel's feeling like the mom, the mother, who's lost all her children. This, for them, life in Babylon is like a mother who's lost her heart's desire. She had children and they're gone. And Israel's in Babylon and life is not what they'd hoped for. Life is not good. So when God makes this promise, their response is, 
But my life, as it is now, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I'd hoped for. Israel is childless, and God says, though, that you're going to be childless no more. Israel is confused. God makes this promise, and it's, it's glory and it's honor and it's abundance and it's life, but they look at their situation and they can't resolve the two. How is this going to happen? Everything I cared about is gone. Everyone I cared about is gone. So how, Lord, can I get from where I'm at to this glory and this honor you're talking about? Israel is saying to themselves in verse 21, You say in your heart, Who has begotten these children for me? I lost my children. I'm barren. I'm in exile. I'm a wanderer. Where did these children, God, you're talking about, where do they come from? And God says in verse 22 and 23, I will lift up my hand to the nations. It'll be my standard. You see, it's a change of of perspective here. Verse 23, you will know that I am the Lord and those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. So when God makes the promise and Israel looks around and says, how can this thing be? God says this, don't worry because I'm your husband. God gives the children and God is the one who's raised them up, who's going to restore them to them, not Israel. Israel's trying to figure out how does this thing come about? I can't see any way around it. God says, don't worry. I'm the one who will bring this about. If you're a mom, you know that uh, parenting is one of the most rewarding and one of the most challenging things you can do on the earth. Uh, You're really, as a Christian mom, your assignment, as it were, is to raise up little sinners. You know, we've been in Genesis, and uh, you remember after the flood, people are just like before the flood, that is, that our hearts err from birth. Nobody has to train us to disobey or give our parents a hard time. We come pre-wired for that, pre-programmed. So as a parent and as a mom, your job is to raise up little sinners, people alienated from God, people just like us, into those who know and love and serve Christ. It's no small task. And again, it can be the most difficult thing you do and it can be one of the most rewarding things you do as well. You know, sometimes as a mom, you give up opportunities to parent those little sinners that those little sinners may not fully appreciate. Um, I'm sure everybody here fully appreciates their mom, you know, but when I was a a little guy, I didn't. Uh, Not at all. And I'm sure my mom looked at me and thought, is there any hope, you know, whatsoever for this guy? Is there any hope? Um, but moms give up opportunities for the sake of their children. And what do they do when those children don't appreciate the sacrifices they've laid down for them? As a mom or as a parent, you may look at your kids and say, no offense intended here, my kids aren't as pretty as I hoped they'd be or as smart. They're not as successful. They don't value the things I value or they don't value the things I value the way I value them. There's all kinds of ways you can be disappointed as a mother or as a parent. You can feel like you're Israel, that you had children, but you lost them. You had this chance, if you will, at the kind of the good life, success, as you counted success, and yet you've lost it. And sometimes we feel that way as parents and as moms. We thought we were going to live in Jerusalem. We were going to have this happy, good life, and we find that we feel like we're living in Babylon. What do we do with that? 
I think at the end of the day, two things for a mom or for a parent or for, for a person in general, but first to mom specifically related to parenting, I'm encouraged by the fact that when Israel says, how shall these things be, God doesn't say to Israel in this mother form, you're going to work harder, you're going to pray longer, you're going to bring this thing about by your power, by the strength of your hand, by your cunning, by your abilities, etc. God doesn't say that at all. God says, I will do this thing. I'm going to call. I'm going to raise up those kids and then I'm going to present them to you. This, this future success or glory doesn't come about because you work harder or smarter or pray longer or more fervently. God says, this is something that I'm going to do. It's not by your power. It's by my power. Now, moms or dads, anybody who's responsible, we are called to be responsible as parents. So we are called to parent wisely and prudently, and steadfastly, and prayerfully. We're called to all of that. But at the end of the day, we're not counting on our ability to be the perfect mom for our kids to come out the way they should, to, to, uh, to bear the image of Christ, which is what we're after. It's what God's doing in us as a parent, and it's what we're hoping to do in our children as their parent, to reproduce the image of Christ in our children. We have a responsibility But at the end of the day, it's not dependent on us to pull this thing off. So if I'm a mom looking at kids at whatever stage of life, and we've got moms from every stage. We've got moms who've not yet delivered a couple. And we've got moms who've delivered children and raised them up and who have grandchildren. So we've got maybe great-grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Wow. Great, great. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Wow. So we've got the full spectrum. Well, you know, at any point in this process, you can look back with regrets or laments that it's just not turning out the way you hoped it would. And in this passage in Isaiah, the secret at the end of the day is that Israel was called to put their hope in God to fulfill this promise of glory and honor. Israel was still responsible to do some things, and we as parents, and certainly moms, are responsible for some things. But at the end of the day, that's not what you hang your hat on. You remember the poem, uh, Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. Uh, You know, Kilmer knew something there. Well, the truth is, too, at the end of the day, though, as parents, we think we influence uh, control over our kids. We do to some degree. But no, no single human being can change another human being's heart. We can try and instill our values and the things that we think are important to our kids, and, and Lord willing, we're working consistently at that. But the truth is not a single one of us can make our children buy into what we buy into. You can't do it. You're committed and you're responsible for the process of mentoring and discipleship. But the, at the end of the day, godly kids our tribute to the Lord. And God will honor you for your part in that, but that's God's work. That's God's work. We're called to be part of a process, but at the end of the day, God makes trees and it's God who's at work in children's hearts and individuals' hearts to help conform them to the image of Christ. So for Israel, wondering, how is this thing going to be? How am I going to get from Babylon to Jerusalem? How's my life going to be turned around from the 
the shame and the sense of loss and frustration I have now to the good life again, God doesn't say it's going to be your doing. God says it's what I will do. It's what I'll bring about. You don't have to be a mom also. Uh, probably everybody in here has some area of life in which life's simply not what you hoped it would be. You had aspirations. You hope things will look a certain way. You'll be a certain kind of person. You'll enjoy certain kinds of successes, whatever. And life just doesn't turn out that way. And you might feel like Israel in Babylon. Same thing. You might be stuck inside of Mobile, thinking of Memphis again. What do you do with that? What do you do with the disappointments? Um, if life is not what you hoped it would be, if where you're at is not where you hoped you would be at this point or at this stage in life, uh, you can do what God encourages Israel to do. You can entrust your cares, those things that concern you, the things that you know on one hand you want to be responsible for, the things that have value and meaning in your life. You can be responsible in the ways you have the power to do and then you can entrust those things to God and ask Him to do the things that you don't have the power at the end of the day to do anyway. If you feel like you're stuck in Babylon, I think, going back to Psalm 137, God still calls us to sing. We can still sing when we're in Babylon. And it's not because life right now gets better. It's not because we think we're going to be able to pull something off in our strength, by our power by our doing, but it's because we know the God we belong to and that He has plans for us. And the one who gave Israel a Savior and said it's not enough, that He would just be the Savior of Israel, I'm going to make you the Savior of the whole world, that's the same God who for you and I today is saying basically, I let some dreams die and I let you be frustrated in some areas of your life because your plans, your hopes, your desires, they're too small. God said to the Messiah, it's too small for you to just be the head over Israel. I'm going to do something bigger. For most of us, the dreams that God lets die, it's because they're not big enough for what God intends in our life. God has bigger dreams than we have in mind. Israel, as this mother, she thinks, I just want a few kids again. I want those kids I had. What does God do? God says, you won't have enough space for the children I'm bringing to you. You want a few? Well, I'm pouring out kids to you. You'll be Mother Hubbard. Is it Mother Hubbard? Hubbard? Anyway, the woman in the shoe. Anyway, you get the picture. Israel's thinking, I just want my few children back. God says, no, that's not enough. I'm going to give you so many children that the space you inhabit won't be big enough. God says to the Messiah, it's not enough for you just to rule Israel. I'm going to give you the world. And I'm just convinced for us today that whether it's, as you look at life as a mom, as a dad, as a student, as a friend, as a spouse, whatever it is, those dreams and those desires that go the way of Babylon, that die, that when we feel like we're in exile, that's okay. Because God has something bigger for us. He has more kids than we thought we, we were going to have. He has bigger plans, bigger dreams for us than the puny ones we have can accommodate. So on Mother's Day, if it's, if it's frustration with kids, it could be a number of things. 
have the hope that God gave Israel in Isaiah 49. God says, I will bring these things about. You know, on the other hand, if you feel like, I love parenting, I'm a mom and I love it, life is good, or in whatever area of life you're in today, you say, hey, I'm not in Babylon, I'm in Jerusalem. Life is good, I'm blessed, and I'd say, thank God. You know, all of us tend to at some point or another. We're in Jerusalem one day, we're in Babylon another. You know, or a week or a month or a year or whatever. If you're not in Babylon with the Jews in Psalm 137, thank God for the good ways He's blessed you. And if you are in Babylon, sing anyway and trust that God's going to make up those areas of loss in your life in bigger and better ways than you could have hoped for. Uh, Would the moms that are here, if you're a mother, delivered or undelivered, would you stand up? I want to... We want to acknowledge you. Yeah, no small thing. Stay, stay standing, please. Stay standing. And uh, the ladies are going to hand out uh, a rose to each of the moms in our midst. And also let me pray while they're doing this. You know, before I pray, let me share this, this deep bit of theology. Uh, I had all these jokes Kathy printed out for me and I didn't tell any of them. So here's one. Uh, Did you know that insanity is hereditary? You get it from your children. Okay. Yeah. I know my mom got hers from me. Let's pray. Lord, uh, Mothers reflect you. Uh, They give life. They nurture. They encourage, Lord. They exhort. They have a tough job because they're working with clay pots the same as you are. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen the mothers in our midst, the ones that are still raising children, especially for for the work, the real work that's at hand. We pray you give them inspiration and vitality and steadfastness. Help them to place their hopes not so much in their children or their abilities as in you and your work and your spirit. Father, for moms who have raised children and perhaps see their children's children or further generations, I pray that they sense a reward from you that this is good and it's from your hand. Lord, for all of us, we know ultimately that this lifetime is too small for the blessings and the children and the posterity and the blessings you mean to pour out on us. So help us to hold the things of this life loosely enough, Lord, that if they don't come about, we're not disappointed, but know that you have bigger and better plans both in this life and in eternity. Lord, we love you. We commit ourselves and the mothers among us to you. In Jesus' name, amen.